Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to an incredible actor who's taken Hollywood by storm. Yes, honey, he crafted his skills on the stage, brought all the drama to our TV screens, from Holby Blue to Holby City, making us laugh from the Crouches to Kate and Koji. He is also the host of ITV's groundbreaking, sorry I didn't know, comedy panel show. And he's now bringing all the swagger and possibly the only butler to be a sex symbol representing <laughs> as Jeffrey Imbele. Please welcome Jimmy Akimbala. Wow, wow, that's an intro, that's an intro. <laughs> I had to, Thank I had to. That's for you, Jimmy, that's for you. Love, love. Welcome to the mainstream. It's good to see you, man. And uh, thanks for having me on. And like, we go way back. And, Honestly. you know, to you explaining my sort of journey, it's been great to see your journey. Do you know what I mean? Oh. The trajectory is just consistently. Thank you. No, that, that's that's an honor from you because you're honestly such an inspiration to so many of us. And um, I can't lie, like, let's, let's, just from my personal perspective, when I saw the announcement that you are going to be Jeffrey in Bel Air, it blew my mind. Of course, we was excited about Bel Air, but just to see the representation, knowing that they got it right, they got yeah. the casting so spot on, that was amazing to me. And um, let's just get into that. You're on season two. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey has a whole lot more drama than we were expecting. I mean, <laughs> one minute he's being fired or, or did he leave? Like, it's all kind of up in the air. Uh, there's the introduction of his son. Pretty much anything we thought of Jeffrey Butler from the 90s is no more. So when you first saw the script, especially for series two, what was going through your mind about this character? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. When I, you know what, like, I'm a, I was a fan of the original as well. And so if I'm honest with you, when I spoke to the creator, Morgan Cooper, and, and he gave me the backstory to this version of Jeffrey and where he saw it going, I was like, wow, this is different. Like yeah. people are not gonna see this coming. And so, like you said, like, you know, we leave season one and he's like, he's going behind Phil's back, do you know what I mean? He's, he, but at the same time, he's a man of his word. He's got to help, he's got to help Will. Then he gets fired, do you know what I mean? But, you know, it, it's sort of, there's, a, there's, there's some beef between Uncle Phil and G. It's like, are they gonna have a fight? It's like all going on. And so when I picked up season two and I looked at the scripts, I was like, first of all, I was just like, I was so, so excited. Because yeah. when they explained the arc, I was like, this is where we have to go. You can't set it up at a certain point and then put it back down again. We've opened yeah. Pandora's box. Yes, Jeffrey's got a son. If you, those of you that are watching and listening, if you didn't know, Frederick is in the original as well. You know, there is an episode about uh, Jeffrey's son in the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so, yeah. yeah, there was, there was, I know. Again, the attention to detail of our show. So the fact that we, we're going to get to explore that in season two, it just made me go, yeah, this is so satisfying. It's important. Again, we're addressing uh, what it is to be a father. We're addressing um, Jeffrey's family as well. So we're not just looking at the banks. We're like, who is Jeffrey? Where is he from? Where's he from? What's he dealing with? And for me yeah. as an actor, that's really important. I want to sort of stretch myself and play all these different things, you know, and, and explore the different sides of my character. And so we also say we've got to keep him looking swagged out and dripping. Do you know what I mean? And, yes. and and yeah, you're in for a really exciting dynamic treat for season two. Oh, I love that. I mean, we can't not notice 
that Jeffrey G, he looks good. But that's you, Jimmy. You look good, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. stop it. Stop it. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, man. It's that, it's that. Emmy and Ben Shear Butter, you know, my friend Ronke's uh, skincare. I got to plug that. And Sunny LA and doing what you love. Honestly, doing what you love, trying to move with gratitude all the time. Yes. And yeah, I love, I love the sun. I'm, a, I, I'm an island man, you know? So the fact hey. that Jeffrey is from Jamaica and I'm able to drop those little, those authentic isms in, you know, it's really important to me. I wanted to create a character that uh, I would have really related to growing up in East London. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, one of them older man them that was there for me coming up and also not playing a stereotype. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't, I was like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, Topway is a great reference now for people, but you know, we're more nuanced than that. We're not a monolith. Do you know what I mean? You're not only like, oh, a really straight laced good person or a road man. Like this Jeffrey's a businessman. He's street yes. smart, book smart. And yeah, he's done a couple of things maybe on the roads. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can tell, we can tell. And I think that's the thing. You've turned what we know as the butler and made him a boss. And the, 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 even the fact that they say, they use the term, he's a house manager. This is a different energy. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so important that it's like, there's one thing that's consistent about this show as well is black excellence to the fullest. So it's not like, you know, you and Uncle Phil or Jeffrey and Uncle Phil are on the same part. They're brothers and there's a respect. It's not like, you know, servant or, or anything like that. Mm. It's like, oh, I'm going to make sure my people are looked after. And that's a beautiful thing. But um, what I love about it is, though, it's something we've never seen before and, and we weren't expecting. So going back to what you were saying with Morgan Cooper's direction. And especially because I know, you know Joseph Marcel, who is yeah. the original OG Jeffrey. So it must yes. have been a big thing for you to be like, where are we really going to take this? And it's gone from a sitcom with, you know, Jeffrey's iconic scenes, one-liners, a little side eye. He was very shady. <laughs> yeah. To now reinventing him as a very suave, collective character. So again, for you, what was really important in, in taking Jeffrey to a new level? Such a good question. One, Joseph Marcel, like, he's a legend, right? He's a, what's so great? Like, Joseph Marcel is a legend in the UK, but he's a legend in the Caribbean, right? And yes! so he yes! represents everything who Jeffrey is, even my Jeffrey, you know? And um, I remember working with him uh, about four or five years ago on Death in Paradise. We was in uh, the Caribbean and we were just chilling on deck chairs, had a day off. He played my father in Death in Paradise. And I said to him, Joseph, do you, does this ever get old? Like we're getting paid to sit by the beach today. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, he's like, dear boy, no. He's like, no, it doesn't. Every day, I'm very grateful. And so when I got the role, Remo, I called him. I called him. You know, I called him just before it got like announced. You know, it was an announcement on the day. And I was like, Joseph, I don't know if you remember me, it's Jimmy. He's like, Jimmy, dear boy, I know. Congratulations. We are yeah. all happy for you. Will, we were speaking about it during the HBO special and I'm just like, oh my gosh. So like, you know, he's ahead of it. He knows this was happening, yeah. this whole reboot, you know? But yeah. also he was so generous with his time. He, we went for a dinner in LA and he told me to enjoy being the Brit in the show. You yeah. know, he said, we, he loved what I was doing. And he said, um, you know what? Take, embrace every day because before you blink, it's over. Um, but then when we spoke, I told him I've been watching the original and actually I realized 
everything that I'm doing in this version of my Jeffrey stems from his version. Because yeah. he had poise, he had class. He yeah. could turn up, you know, bring out Lucille. He wasn't scared of going, about going to the oh, house. Do you know what I mean? Bring out Lucille. Like yeah. all these things, you know? And there's the time when he got, uh, he thought he had won the lottery and he told everybody yes. about themselves. You know, yes. he cussed them out. And I'm like, that's all here. Jeffrey will still tell Phil or Will or Hillary about themselves, but he yeah. loves them. You know what I mean? And it was just, it's been so nice and important to me to, to like not make it like, who's better, mine or, or, or Joseph? It's like, no, they're the same character. Yes. They're the same character. And I'm doing everything off of what Joseph had built up. And I've got so much love and respect for him. And, and uh, yeah, and I'm always hitting him up. You know, there was one time he was wearing a suit on stage at the Young Vic. Uh, it was a gray suit. And Jeffrey was wearing it in the episode one of Bel Air. And we, we were WhatsApping each other. I'll send it to you after this call. And it's just uh, like, even in that, that alignment in life in two different jobs, we look the same. Wow, that's crazy. And like the fact that he played your father in Death in Paradise and now you get to be the new Jeffrey. You're basically his son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. You know, I, I'd love him to pop up in season three in some way. I don't know. Maybe he could play my father again or he could play, I don't know, a rival. I don't, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, it would be great to have Jeffrey in a scene with Jeffrey. <laughs> yes, because it's been so nice to see, like, you know, um, Aunt Viv pop up in, in series one. And then um, it was Jeffrey's yeah. girlfriend, the neighbor, pops up in season yeah. two. So it's like, please, please tell the team, bring him back. We would love, especially for us Brits, we would love yeah. that. We would love yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about that because... Uh, uh, I am a diehard Fresh Prince Bel-Air fan, and I'll be honest with you, I was shook. I was like, guys, do not mess with my favorite show. But of mm -hmm. course, when I saw it, I was so pleasantly surprised, and I was so, I was so impressed by, like you said, they've weaved in the original storyline with the current, like, you know, background information. Like they've made sure it's it's exactly relevant to everything they they hit back in the 90s. But did it cross your mind when you was preparing? Like obviously, you know, you it's been greenlit, you know the show is going ahead, it's about to be announced. Did you or any of the cast get that feeling of oh my gosh, what if we what if we don't do this? Like what if we let them down? You know what? I maybe maybe a tiny bit when we first started filming, just a tiny bit. You know, um, I'd read the script going, this is completely different. I know people don't read anymore. They just see the headline, like, because in the detail of the deadline or Hollywood Report, it says it's a drama, it's not yeah. a comedy. But a lot of people kept thinking it's still going to be a sitcom. Yeah. And there was a significant moment. It was probably after about three or four weeks, Morgan Cooper and the producers invited us into a room during lunchtime and they showed us a rough edit of what we'd shot so far. Okay. And Ramel, at that moment, we were all in tears and we all were like, we're going to be fine. There's some people that are still going to have to jump on board later down the line, but even we didn't realize what we were making. You know, it, it was, it was honestly, it was so emotional because you can look at a script, but until you see it like edited and put together and then you, you got the music backdrop on top of it as well. You know what I mean? You got Meek Mills. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, this is amazing. And so that after that point, no, it was actually come for us, actually. Expect the worst because you're going to be so surprised in terms of what you, you're going to see. And, and what I really enjoyed is the, 
public turnarounds. You know what I mean? And people yeah. like yourself, not that you did stuff publicly, but you had that feeling. But there were people publicly on Twitter going, no, nah, man, I'm not watching that. Three weeks later, I'm sorry, don't sleep on <laughs> Bel Air. That's what I said's wrong. It's the best show on TV. And, and it was so nice just to see these people publicly sort of just tweeting and posting going, I got it wrong. I got mm. it wrong. And it, it was almost like Chinese whispers. It's like a like the good book, right? It's like, you know what? Yeah. You need to read this book. It's like, what? what? Now, trust me, read it. And then someone else will go, you need to watch Bel Air. No, trust me. I felt the same. Read it. And then <laughs> now I feel like there's so much love and support for it. But it's based off of the detail, the hard work, the black excellence. And, you know, because if we weren't doing that, I think we are in trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are in trouble. Um, and also the original show was always also groundbreaking. We're discussing marriage, uh, sexuality, racism, you know, the stuff about uh, what's no black history on the, uh, on the curriculum. You know what I mean? It's yes. sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all there. It is all there, but it was all there in the nineties. You know, it always yeah. reminds me of the time when he talks about, Will, yo, you wear the t-shirt. I was there marching with the man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uncle Phil, we should yeah. drop them gems. Or you see the father come home and see it in the original series and he's like, why doesn't he love me? And then you yeah. see it, our version, you know? And then actually for me to, 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 to get to explore Jeffrey's arc as well is just so beautiful because one thing about our show that people don't talk about is it represents black love, but mal uh, vulnerability. 100%. There's a lot of scenes where we say we love each other, we hug each other, there's tears. And then I feel like in storytelling, it's almost like, I think over the years, we've not been allowed to show that side of ourselves. And yeah. it's as if a vulnerability is a weakness. And I think there's a, there's a hidden gem of our show that we show that vulnerability is actually powerful, you know? And uh, whenever I see that picture when Will's got the crown on his head, I think that is really representative in terms of how he's playing the role, but also how we are representing ourselves as the, the male characters in the show but how everybody's just being open and vulnerable and, and brave with their choices. Oh, I love that. I love that. Do you know what? Because I was going to ask you as well, actually, like, again, being a fan of Bel-Air or being a fan of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and getting to be a part of a new legacy because there's some young people, I mean, I think it's kind of hard because Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is so iconic. It's pretty much everywhere. It's a part of like black culture, <laughs> hip hop culture, everything. But mm -hmm. for that new generation to see what they're seeing in Bel-Air, how does that make you feel to be a part of that? Oh, I, how does it make me feel? I'm just, I'm so grateful, man. You know what? It makes me feel that there's a possibility I could be a part of a show that did the same thing for me when I was a kid, you know? Like, yeah. like, wow. I'm like, wow. Cause I did, I grew up watching it. Like we, I do, it, it really impacted me. It's one of the reasons I'm an actor. One of the reasons I'm a big fan of Will Smith, but also the education in it. It was one of the reasons why I was like, okay, I want to tap into my history, our history a bit more, you know, yeah. and also why I love hip hop. Do you know what I mean? It was all, it was all those things. And to be in a show that's almost doing a, that thing right now is important. And I think what touches me the most is that when I come back home, I'm not just name dropping, but when I get people like Getz come up to me and be like, yo, fam, <laughs> like your character is one of my best favorite characters. I'm just like, oh, you're Getz, what's going on? Like when I'm that it made me think about what I'm doing for the, for the young Brits watching yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there's something, I think there's something more expansive that we're able to see in my character of Jeffrey. And I think 
that was really important. That was really important because it's not just a US facing show, it's a global show and we want to feel represented in the right way because it's a different time now. You can't just have me just being, talking and walking a certain way, which is almost like alien, right? There's all different versions of us. I keep saying it, we're not a monolith and I just wanted to show that this Jeffrey could have gone Oxford, but he's decided to go to LA. I love that, I love. Well, speaking of going to LA, Jeffrey's not the only person that did that. Jimmy Akinbola has done that too. I mean, I think it's really important that you are flying the flag over there, but let's, let's, let's get this straight. For anyone that's never come across Jimmy Akinbola before, you have done bits in the UK from theatre, like I mentioned, the Crouches. That was I love that. That was a, an amazing comedy Thank show. You. Up, uh, he was on Holby City Doctors, uh, ITV's The Tower, which which is still recurring in as well. You're even a primetime TV host on the comedy panel show. Sorry, I didn't know. Like you have definitely, definitely laid the foundations here in the UK. But in all honesty. For any young black British actor or talent in general that is actually sitting here being like, wow, the UK is really hard. Should I make the move? What advice would you give them? Because it comes up a lot and a lot of people don't show love to Brits until they hear it in the, that make it in America. Yeah. So yeah. What, what's yeah. your it's, perspective and advice on that? Uh, it's, a, it's a really in, good and tough question, you know. I think it's different for each person. I think the young, in my early career, I was craving just to make a splash in the UK. Do you know what I mean? Like ahead of me, you had your Idris's and Chuatel, David of Yellow World. Do you know what I mean? They were doing their thing. So theater, I would say to people like, carve out your space in theater, you know? Okay. And then eventually I would say, I think casting directors will pay attention. Make sure you've got a great agent you know, um, that is giving you the opportunities because there, there were times that I could see the difference. My peers had the great ages there. So my peers would get the better auditions and yeah. I wouldn't get in the room. And so you're like, well, we're all as talented as each other, but why am I not getting that opportunity? But it didn't stop me. I still believed if I, I was, I saw myself as the Kenyan runner. Do you know what I mean? So when I saw, when I saw my friends like flying ahead, doing great things, I was like, I know I'm doing great things, but my path is going to be different. And so I, I advised people to, we're in a culture now of social media. It's easy to get caught up in other people's journeys, you know, and that to affect us mentally. It's like, don't watch the next person's journey. Your journey is your journey, but do the work, have work ethic, you know what I mean? Read plays, like do your research. But I think there really is an interesting time where if you're a point, you, you could be at a point in your life where you're like, Jimmy, I've hit this glass ceiling that you've talked about in your interviews. Then you really got to ask yourself, well, do I need to start, instead of moving straight away, do I need to start doing three or four months in the States? Do I need to get a manager? And, I, and again, the agent needs to be a part of that conversation. So you don't have to say, oh, F you UK, but you do have to expand your world and think of, I've seen myself as an international actor now. I live yeah. in LA, but then sometimes I'm in the UK. I'm like, I, I, I go where the work is, but that was a mentality change that I had to have for myself. And then it had to be representative in my team and how I was moving. So there is, you have to have patience with it. Some young actors, they ask me that straight away. I'm like, listen, give yourself three to four or five years just to make a mark. But there are other stories. I've got to say, I can't not. Where I've met actors that have probably done one or two jobs in the UK. They come out over here, you know, they've got an O1 visa somehow, or they've gone for a green card or because yeah. they've got a family member. And now when you look at their CV, 
they've got more work in America than they've ever had in the UK. And they didn't hardly have anything. I think the UK like you to level up and go, have you done the bill? Have you done the RSC? Have you yeah. done a national? Whereas America's a bit like, Remel, you're amazing. Uh, mm. We want to pitch you. We want you to have your own show on CBS. And you're like, what? what but I've, I've just got here. They're like, yes, <laughs> let's go. And I think they're the difference. You know, I think America knows how to embrace and nurture talent and just, you know, get it to where it wants to be instantly. And I think the UK, you do have to earn your steps a bit more, you know, which I understand, but it can be frustrating if you are that talent that you feel like you've done what you should have done and you need to go in that next room. So I don't know if I've answered your question. I would say that do work on nailing the UK first, but if you get to that point in your life where you're prepared to roll that dice, because there's no guarantee. I moved out here. I had no job offer. It cost a lot of money to get a green card. I'm leaving my family and friends behind. But I truly believe in living life with no regrets. And I didn't want to have a what if. And I knew that I, even though I had a great career, it was risky. I could have lost the momentum of it. But I also wanted to test myself. You yeah. know, I was like, well, can I, can I compete? Can I, can I work out here? And then I looked at my peers and my heroes, Idris, Daniel, <laughs> Damson. You know, yeah. Ashley Medekwe, like I could list a whole heap of people that are thriving out here. And that made my decision to be easy. But all those other people had built a bit of a career in the UK before. That's what I will say. Fair enough. And that is a perfect, you gave the perfect perspective of, you know, you got to be prepared. You got to understand how the game works as well. But um, it's interesting. You mentioned, um, you know, building a craft and developing in different ways because with the mainstream, we do a lot of talks, we go to loads of networking events, and there's been something that's been coming up quite a lot, and I'd love mm. to know your perspective on it. Now, I don't know if it's just a presenter thing, but there's this weird taboo that you can't be in production and so like behind the scenes and in front of the camera as well. And you, what I love about you is you have done it all. You're an actor, you're a producer, you're a host. You are the co-founder of your own production company, Triforce Creative Network. You are proving that it's possible, but there is a stigma that you can't do it all. So again, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, there is a stigma. You're right. I think, you know, again, I think in the UK, now it's okay to use this word, multi-hyphenate. You know, That's but right. in the UK, it used to be like, no, what are you? No, Remo, are you, what are you? Are you an actress or are you a host? Uh, yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you, you couldn't be more, people get confused. Yeah. But then when I think over the years, that's changed, you know? And so, but you have to, it's so hard. You have to know who you are and then move in that way. Like, I feel like um, you have to be able to sort of blend. Like, there was a bit of me going, look, if I just concentrate on being an actor, then uh, I, I feel like that will harm me, you know, in terms of, because I'm just reliant on one thing. It's not just on the work, it's about how can I be creative? And I think when me, Fraser Ayers and Mini Ayers set up, uh, you know, started doing the Triforce creative work, it was like, we can be creative in a different way as producers and giving back, helping other talent. And then you learn, like, then you have to learn about the behind the scenes, you know yeah. what I mean? And then you see the issues about, why, where's the lack of representation behind the scenes? And then we start, so we really started uh, focusing on all the issues behind the scenes, but as well as kept continuing our careers. And I think so. It's just been a natural thing for me, and um, and I think it's. I feel like we're in a time now. We've got everyone's got a camera. You've got your YouTube channels. There's a point where there's no excuse. Build your own. Build your own, and and that will help you going forward in your career. There's going to be times where 
you will host your own show or be a lead in your own show and you have an opportunity to be a producer. And rather than just have the name title, like it's good to have the experience to back it up, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, for me, a bit like chameleon, you know what I mean? And, and I've never been afraid to have conversations, whether it's the head of BBC or the head of ITV. I've always believed in what we've been doing and creating, you know? So it's like, look, you say you want X, Y, and Z on your channel. So why are we not doing this? You know? <laughs> you know? <All> right. um, <laughs> so, so yeah, but it does, it tests you because this is the, the, this, I feel like in America, again, they're much more into it. You know, are they like, oh, you're Donald, you're, you're Donald Glover. You know what I mean? Great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like, but now with, you know, Phoebe, Michaela, you know, I'm seeing a Kemji, you know, what he's doing, you know, yeah. um, the Kemji was in the crouches with me and now he's one of the best producers <laughs> in the, in the UK, you know? So I think it's about knowing who you are because that requires work as well. Back to the work ethic. You have to learn. And I have to say this, I've only been able to do what I'm doing because of my business partners, like Fraser Ayers and his wife, Minnie Ayers, like they're the people like running the production company while I'm in the US living and, and, and thriving. They're the people that I might have an idea. They're the people that help me execute an idea. Like, you know, you really do need to have that team. You know, you can't do it all by your own. So I do want to flag that up. They're my family. I love them. They just had a baby as well. And they're still continuing to, to kill it. And they set up Dandy, which is uh, DNI, diversity inclusion, which is all about making sure there's diverse people behind the camera as uh, writers, producers, camera operators, grips, you know what I mean? Because again, it's still lacking, but we've got that knowledge. They've set up that because of all the work we've done up to this point, And we've seen the issues about it. Oof, come on. I'm loving the team. The team come is on. strong right now. I love that. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I love that. Well, I mean, even in what you've just said, you've shared so much knowledge in like, you know, how important it is to have a great team behind you and that, like, you know, have a clear vision as well. The agents, we are very much into inspiring people, but also dropping a few gems. So if you mm -hmm. don't mind, Jimmy, mm -hmm. would you like to give us some top five tips to make it in the mainstream? Now, I hate to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, no, top five tips in the mainstream. My first tip is... Any play or film or TV show that you like, right? Make sure you write down the writer, the producer, and the director, right? That will help you going forward, knowing what your taste buds are. For meetings, what type of stuff do you like? You can name drop a writer like that. You know what I mean? A director like that. And then you got to think about why you like them. You can talk about them and you will be able to because you, you love the show or the film or the play and you're passionate about it, you know? Uh, so I would recommend that. I would recommend like practicing like the 10,000 hours thing of like, you know, people say, Jimmy, man, it's quiet, got no auditions. I'm like, well, do one self-tape a week. Good, I yeah. have to do one self-tape a week, you know? But I haven't, for what reason? To stay sharp. Because when that other audition comes and you're a bit like Jim Rusty, it's gonna show on the tape. So do, and then make sure you've got a great uh, friend, again, that can be accountable with that. You know what I'm saying? And if not, there's no excuse. There's a, uh, there's a thing called We Audition where you can go online and get readers around the world to help you do your tapes. Yeah? Uh, did you say, you said five, right? You said five. I mean, I, I, <laughs> if you want to stop at three, that's fine. But no, you... okay, no, okay. I wanna, no, I want to give the gems. Three, three, I would say, don't be afraid to, if you have an idea to be creative, do it. Don't, matter, don't worry about how long it's going to take. Just do it. 
do it and don't be afraid to ask questions. You know what I mean? Because that will help you grow as a creative, as an actor, producer, writer, presenter, host, as a person, as a whole. And it's in, yeah. we've all got that one idea and that thing, and it really will help shape the person you're going to end up being. Okay. Uh, four, live life. I definitely struggled in my early years to take holidays. Well, what if I get an audition? What if I miss this? And it's dangerous. Go and live. You going on holiday or just switching off, not talking about the business, going wherever you're going to go, whatever brings you joy, uh, you know, whether it's playing FIFA or whether it's just going to go to a concert. It's really important to, to do those things because, again, they will help you in your future to be the kind of creative person that you are. If it's all about, if it's all work, then I feel like that will come out in your work, whether you're a performer, yeah. writer, or creative. It's really important to live life, be with the family and friends, and just, yeah, keep your feet on the ground. Okay. And then five, I would say, you know, back in the day, people used to say, oh, you, Mr. Nice, that's your name, you, you know, and, and, and I, I sort of, it reminded me of sometimes at school, be like, ah, oh, you're really nice, but like, you're like a brother, I don't want to go out of you. So I had oh, issues God. with the nickname, do you know what I mean? And then the, the nice, wait, Mr. Nice is a drug dealer. I was like, the nice is like, is someone really nice? Are they just pretending? But the point is, treat everybody with love and respect and how you would want to be treated. Don't just adjust just because, oh, that person's a commissioner or that person's a top agent. You don't know. You might meet someone and eventually they're going to be the head of CAA or the BBC. But you went on a way just because you're like, oh, I can't get anything from you. You know, treat people how you would be treated with love, respect and openness. And I, and I honestly believe, you know, I'm sure there might be one or two people I might have peed off, but like, yeah. I've just tried to honor that. I've just tried to honor that, yeah. you know, uh, because it's hard out here and, and, and it's much easier to be nice to each other than to be horrible. Oh, you smashed it. That was the best top five. <laughs> and I, I definitely put you under pressure there, but that was- Yeah, incredible. I was like, woof. <laughs> But I know you're a pro, you've got this, you've got such incredible knowledge, such incredible experience. And I knew if I needed the good gems, it was going to come from you, Jimmy. So thank you thank so you. much. I'm so glad we finally got to get you on the mainstream because I wanted I wanted you when season one drops, but the timing weren't right. But hey. Uh, no, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I love your questions. And again, I've loved your journey and we'll catch up when I get back to London. And yeah, it's just a great time for me. You know, I, I did, we didn't get a chance to talk about the documentary handling care, you know, that being out as well and, you know, yeah. and it being an important story. Uh, it's just, you know, again, that's back to your questions. I'm, I'm trying to do the work that I want to do as an actor producer and to try to always be, be on it in terms of representation and telling stories in a particular way. I wanted Handle with Care to be an uplifting, celebratory story about care, not a mining trauma story. Thank you for sharing that because I really did want to talk about that. So if anyone hasn't seen it, Handle With Care is on ITV Hub and it's out on Peacock around the world. Come on, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Um, <laughs> of course, season two of Bella. Bella is out right now. I've already binged it, guys. You're in for a wow. treat. It's going to be a good ride. And uh, Jimmy, please let them know where they can keep in touch with you, follow you and see all of your creations that are coming out. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at Jimmy Akambola, my full name, and on Instagram. I don't do Snapchat or TikTok. 
but yeah, tune into Bel Air. It's bigger, it's uh, spicy, it's electrifying, and there's a lot of love this season as well. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.